Good morning and welcome to the Rules Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors for today, Halloween, October 31st, 2022. I am the chair of the committee, Aaron Peskin, joined by Vice Chair Supervisor Raphael Mandelman and committee member Supervisor Connie Chan. Our clerk is Mr. Victor Young. Mr. Young, do you have any announcements? Yes, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings to allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking the public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in-person will be allowed to speak first. Then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either Channel 26, 28, 78, or 99, and sfgovtv.org. The public call-in number is streaming across the screen. The number is 415-655-0001. Then enter the meeting ID of 2492-770-5750. Then press pound and pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussion, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you're on the telephone, please remember to turn down your TV and all listening devices you may be using. As already indicated, we will take public comment from those attending in person first, and then we will go to our public comment telephone line. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Rules Committee Clerk, at victor.young at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and include as part of the file. You may also send your written comment via U.S. mail to our office at City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlson B. Goodlett Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. That completes my initial comments. Thank you, Mr. Young. Could you please call the first item? Yes, uh, first on the agenda is item number one, ordinance approving surveillance technology policies governing the use of body-worn cameras by Recreation Parks Department, security cameras by the Department of Ele Elections, and third-party security cameras by the airport, and make it required findings in support of said approvals. Thank you, Mr. Young. Colleagues, this is the third time this item has appeared before this committee. Uh, there are a few non-substantive changes that I've put before you, mostly putting in the correct file number and spelling out some terms. Uh, I'm happy to go through them, but mostly it is just putting in file number 221043 in numerous places throughout the ordinance. Uh, I will remind folks that uh, the provision with regard to the location management uh, system of the Recreation and Parks Department has been stricken and is not part of this approved policy. And with that, is there any public comment on this item? Yes, members of the public who would like to uh, speak on this matter can line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2492-770-5750, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been mute, unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. 
Uh, can we have our first caller in the room? Please come forward. You'll have two minutes for public comment. Uh, thank you, yes. My name is Yolanda Gatsalco, and I would just like to say, I, I don't know how to turn off my phone. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm surveillance. Uh, I, I would understand why it would be needed for the elections, given the violence we've seen because of the, of the lies of electoral fraud. So, I mean, that having said, against an honest 2020 election. So, but um, uh, uh, I would really oppose it in uh, parks and recreations and any other public venue because we are going increasing having a, a, a police state where everything is surveillance and, and I'm pro protecting and defending our constitutional rights. I also heard on the news yesterday that uh, uh, no action can be taken against those people that were uh, in some um, boarding places. They were uh, threatened, they were there armed. Um, threatening borders. They said they have a right to express. I don't know if they were armed or not. I can't remember that they have, that nothing can be done against those people because they have a right to, to uh, freedom of the speech and, uh, and uh, the press. So I support that. But I, I, I would like to say that uh, we already have enough surveillance. I don't want to go to the parks and feel that there's a camera watching my every move. You know, it, 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 it just, that doesn't sound right, especially like you have to go to public bathrooms. Thank you. Thank you for your testimony. Are there any other members of the public who would like to testify on item number one? Uh, yes, we do have a, a caller on the line. Can we have our first caller, please? Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Please proceed. Great. Uh, David Philpel, just want to speak uh, briefly uh, in support of the uh, ordinance. Appreciate the technical uh, review and edits proposed by uh, Chair Peskin. Um, and I think these three particular uses uh, make sense and have been uh, fairly uh, scrutinized. And also want to appreciate the work of the uh, various departments and uh, Jillian Johnson and Julia Crucial of Coit. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, that was our last caller on the phone line for this matter. Public comment is closed, and I will make a motion to adopt the amendments, non-technical and or technical and non-substantive. On that motion, a roll call, please. On the motion to adopt the amendments, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, I. The motion passes without objection. And then I'll make a motion to send the item as amended with recommendation to the full Board of Supervisors on that motion. A roll call, please. Yes, on that motion. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, I. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, I. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, I. The motion passes without objection. Next item, please. Next on the agenda is item number two, ordinance amending the administrative code to require... Board of Supervisors approval of a policy governing the funding, acquisition, and use of certain law enforcement equipment consistent with the criteria set forth in state law and approving the police department's use of equipment policy. Colleagues, we have heard this, I think, on four occasions in the intervening week. Uh, the police department 
made some suggested changes to the changes that I suggested at our last meeting, um, but they are, they still are, as of the last time I communicated with them, uh, contemplating additional changes. They were waiting on the chief who was otherwise busy with the Pelosi matter to uh, opine on their comments. I will make their comments uh, to me a part of the record for next week. I believe that there are police department representatives available. If you have any questions, I will, they will be all of the chain, the back and forth will be in next week's board packet. Uh, is there anybody here from the department who would like to add or subtract or otherwise comment? I believe, uh, uh, Supervisor Chan, would you like to? Uh, your name is oh, on the Supervisor roster. Supervisor Chan, my, my apologies. Thank you, uh, Chair Peskin. Uh, I did have the amendments from last week that I don't know if I need to, again, read my amendments to the legislation or we, we can. I, you, you can, I mean, the and legislation it was, itself, this is a little bit like 19B, which is in order to effectuate any changes to the policy, we will do that by ordinance. The changes that you suggested were a part of the comments that I redlined into the policy itself. Um, so they, and I believe, by the way, and you, I will hand this to you, but I believe that uh, the department did ac yep. accept those changes. Yes. So you, you don't need to read them into the record. They will be ultimately incorporated into the policy if the Board of Supervisors sees fit to do so. This supervisor certainly does. Thank you. Is there anybody here from the police department who would like to say anything? All right. If not, are there any members of the public who would like to testify on item number two? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item can line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2492-770-5750, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that'll be your cue to begin your comments. Can we have our first public commenter in the room? Yes. Um, I adamantly oppose that legislation. We don't need tanks, machine guns. I'm even opposed to guns. Um, I remember Ruiz Congarapat, that Mexican-American immigrant that, that was killed by the police. He didn't speak English. He didn't understand English. They told him to drop the weapon. He had a machete. Uh, I believe machine guns were used to kill him. This was, I think, in 2016. Uh, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's like, why are you having tanks and machine guns? You know? It's a, like Kent State. Like Jackson, Mississippi, where the African-Americans and the white students were assassinated when we were protesting U.S. involvement in the war in Vietnam. 
it, it just, I don't see why people aren't, excuse the expression, up in arms. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not saying to arm ourselves, but you know, that is so wrong, machine guns and tanks for a police encounter. It's ridiculous, it's fascism. Thank you. Uh, moving on to our uh, telephone callers. Uh, can we have our first telephone caller, please? Good morning, Chair and Supervisors. Eliana Binder on behalf of Clyde. This proposed policy is missing key requirements of state law and is vital to community safety that these deficiencies are addressed. We ask that you incorporate the community proposed amendments to fully define authorized use for all weapons, set a date compatible with the 2023-2024 budget process for receiving the annual report, and direct SFPD to require full transparency in restocking equipment. Police departments that acquire military-grade equipment are more likely to use violence, and military equipment is more frequently deployed in low-income black and brown communities, meaning the risks and impacts of SFPD's militarization will be experienced most acutely in marginalized communities. There are already persistent disparities in policing in San Francisco, and a recent report found that San Francisco ranks the worst in the state when it comes to police-caused hospitalization rates for black residents. Military equipment is a force multiplier, and your decisions will have far-reaching consequences for further exacerbating San Francisco's disgraceful disparities. Based on the data and stories related to us by community members and clients impacted by the generational harms caused by SFPD, we should be aggressive in our approach to oversight. This policy does not safeguard the public's welfare, safety, civil rights, or civil liberties and that's a requirement of AB 481. The ordinance must be revised to specify what uses are authorized for each weapon, align the annual report with the budget process, and require full transparency in equipment restocking. Please take the time to incorporate these in further community concerns. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you. before the next speaker, the last speaker referred to the community version I am not, if that exists, I mean, I've gotten some public comment letters with various suggestions that are in the file and I'm reviewing the file, but I'm not sure what community version the speaker from Glide is referring to. Anyway, if somebody has that and wants to make it a part of the file, I encourage them to do so. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Uh, good morning, uh, Supervisors, Tess Wellborn. Um, I support what the speaker from Glide said, and I am horrified that this equipment <laughs> is in the hands of SFPD in view of the many uh, heinous acts that they have already performed and could perform in the future. I personally would recommend that this equipment be donated to the National Guard or the equivalent. Uh, it doesn't belong in police hands. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Uh, 
Um, good morning. This is Regina Sneed. Um, thank you for the opportunity to comment. I also endorse the comments from Glide. Um, I have sent you three emails um, with comments that are similar to what Glide had said over the last few months since July. So I won't repeat that, but we clearly need um, an ordinance that uh, defines authorized use very clearly and understandable so the public knows what these allowed uses are. I strongly endorse applying this to the budget process. There's, uh, that's really the accountability tool that the Board of Supervisors has, and uh, will give the public an opportunity to see that you're uh, looking and reviewing at all of these uses to see if they're still necessary and meet the public safety and uh, civil rights guidelines that are in the state ordinance. Um, also, I would like to request that when the police department that submits the comments that you're going to review this week, that they get posted early enough so that the public might see what they are before the next hearing. It appears that this will be continued till perhaps two weeks from now, since I believe the election is next Tuesday, and you may not be meeting on that day. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. I believe that was our last caller. All right, public comment for this item is closed, and I will make a motion to continue this item to our meeting next Monday. On that motion, a roll call, please. Uh, yes, on the motion to continue the matter. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The matter is continued. Next item, please. Next on the agenda is item number three, motion reappointing Supervisor Raphael Manoman, term ending December 1st, 2023, to the California State Assembly of Counties. Would you like to make a motion? So moved, motion to recuse Supervisor Mandelman. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye, Mandelman excused. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without, a, without objection, with uh, Mandelman being excused from that motion. Is there any public comment on the motion to reappoint Supervisor Mandelman to the California State Association of Counties? Yes. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, should, you can call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2492-770-5750, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin to comment. Uh, is there anyone in the room who would like to provide public comment on this matter? Seeing none, we have, I believe we have one person online for public comment on this matter. Proceed, please. Oh, uh, we just lost that person. All right. Uh, so we do not have any more callers on the line. Public comment is closed, and I'll make a motion to send this item to the full board with a positive recommendation on that motion. A roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman is excused. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection with... Vice Chair Mandelman being excused from this matter. Next item, please. 
Next on the agenda is item number four, motion directing the clerk of the board to initiate a request for proposal process to facilitate the creation of a working group to explore resident ownership or resident control at Midtown Park Apartments in the Western Edition. Supervisor Preston, uh, I look forward to being regaled with the charter conundrum that this motion is facing. Thank you, Chair Peskin, and uh, I will do my best and uh, appreciate uh, you calendaring this and allowing the continuance for us to continue engaging with the city attorney. And, and uh, uh, if uh, okay with the chair, I I do need to go into a little background on this one because uh, uh, well, there is. I, I, uh, I've been thinking about this all weekend. Right, right. So, um, so colleagues, the the item before you concerns Midtown Park Apartments. It's an affordable housing complex in the Western Edition. And just at the outset, I want to say that in many ways, Midtown is uh, a moral test for this city. How we support the residents of Midtown puts to the test our city's stated commitment to racial equity, housing stability, and reparations to the black community. Um, Midtown is city-owned. Um, it is actually the only such property in the city, true municipal housing, uh, right now existing in the heart of the Fillmore. Um, the only impediment to a resident-led future of Midtown is the city itself. Now, many of you may already be familiar uh, to some extent with the situation at Midtown in 2020. Uh, this board voted unanimously uh, approving an ordinance to provide uh, rent stabilization to the long-term legacy tenants at Midtown, uh, some of whom received what we viewed as uh, very unfair rent increases. That important uh, step to, to redress uh, rent increases that in some cases were as high as 300 percent uh, was always viewed by both my office and by the residents of Midtown as a step on a long-term path. And the motion before the committee today is intended to um, commence the next step in that process and to map out a long-term vision for Midtown, uh, one in which resident voices are centered. This step is a long time coming. M Midtown's very existence owes itself to what was an explicit admission by the city that the redevelopment era which saw the mass displacement of our city's black community was a tremendous mistake. The 138 unit complex uh, at Midtown was created to house Western Edition residents who had lost their homes during this shameful chapter in San Francisco history. It was created by the city essentially giving the property to a private developer, Barton Western, uh, and according to historic documents, the development company initially advertised the units with the slogan, own your own, promoting a scenario in which tenants would eventually have equity ownership in a cooperative. Um, as reported on extensively, um, including reports by uh, reporter Natalie uh, Kresich. Uh, that promise was taken away by the private developer, later settled in court, and colleagues, I could go into the long twisted saga that is the story of Midtown uh, in the intervening years, including the transfer of ownership from Barton Western to HUD, uh, eventually to the city, uh, the ever-changing property management companies, and the series of broken uh, promises to the residents. Um, 
equally, if not more important in telling the Midtown story is the resilience, per persistence, and dedication to community that the residents have shown over many decades. But out of respect for your time, I will uh, fast forward, although not to present, I will fast forward to June 5th, 2007, which is a crucial moment in relation to this board's activities on Midtown. That's when this Board of Supervisors unanimously approved a resolution authored by then District 5 Supervisor Ross Mercurimi to, quote, guide the city and Midtown Park Apartments residents in formulating a long-term ownership structure and development plan. And again, that was in 2007. The resolution detailed five guiding principles to realize long-term ownership for the residents at Midtown, namely preventing displacement, involving tenants, protecting long-term affordability, exploring alternative ownership structures, and ensuring safe, sanitary, and decent housing. A whereas clause in that resolution noted that, quote, Mo, Mayor's Office of Housing, is committed to working with the tenants to complete the planning for a transfer of ownership and substantial rehabilitation of Midtown Park apartments. Fully 15 years later, 15 years later, it is clear no progress whatsoever has been made by the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to achieve these ends. This past budget cycle, my office allocated limited funds to jumpstart this process. We invested district add-back dollars with the purpose of retaining community housing consultant to facilitate a conversation among Midtown residents as to how best achieve, to achieve the long-promised goal of resident control or ownership with resident voices at the center of that discussion. The funds are intended to pay for an affordable housing expert to lead a conversation among Midtown residents as to what affordable housing model, ownership structure, uh, best suits their long-term vision and needs. This information can then be used to inform the Board of Supervisors about our next legislative steps with regard to Midtown. One could make the case that these funds would logically be allocated to Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, but that department has shown it is entirely unable or unwilling to perform this work. They were urged to do so 15 years ago by the Board of Supervisors and have taken no steps to see this to fruition. Unfortunately, this isn't an isolated situation. In previous addbacks from my office, the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development has been unable or unwilling to, uh, to implement funds for their intended purpose. In last year's budget cycle, for example, we put $200,000 toward public housing organizers, funds that were aimed at helping residents in public and subsidized housing advocate for necessary repairs and dignified housing conditions. For months after the budget was approved, MoCD offered a cascade of excuses as to why they were not moving the funds forward. Finally, we introduced legislation to reappropriate the funds to a different department. It was only on the eve of a committee hearing on that motion, on that ordinance, uh, that MoCD informed us they would agree to move the funds elsewhere. So I take no pleasure in reciting this history, but it's entirely relevant to why we chose to allocate the funds at issue in this motion, very limited funds, not to MoCD, but instead to the clerk's office to issue the necessary RFP. We were advised to introduce a motion directing the clerk to perform this function, 
and we did that. After introduction of that motion, my office was contacted by the city attorney who raised concerns about whether this function is allowed under the charter. I will let the city attorney weigh in if they so choose, but the theory as I understand it from the city attorney's office is that the board could be stepping into an executive function were this motion to be approved. Despite the fact that the charter nowhere prohibits the Board of Supervisors from dire directing the clerk to issue an RFP and or to retain an expert to work with residents in the manner at issue here, the city attorney has nonetheless concluded that it is implied by the charter. This conclusion is baffling to me and reflects, in my opinion, a tortured reading of the charter that unreasonably constrains the power of this Board of Supervisors. Under this reading, a supervisor would not even be able to host a community meeting on a topic if it were an issue that a department might act on, because that would be, of course, an executive function. To say this unreasonably ties the hands of the Board of Supervisors would be an understatement, and I do not think it's consistent with the charter. So, colleagues, I will be asking you today to continue the motion to the call of the chair, uh, not because we are giving up on this effort, far from it. Uh, we've come too far and Midtown residents have uh, suffered and fought back for too long for us to throw up a white flag at this juncture. Um, it is my sincere hope that the city attorney will promptly revise its legal analysis here cease its obstruction of the board's work to deliver for constituents, um, and my hope would be that we can then, at the chair's discretion, bring the item back to this committee. Uh, at the same time, in order to minimize delay of getting these funds out the door, we will also explore uh, finding another department or agency uh, that is willing to help us facilitate the work that our constituents have demanded uh, for over 15 years. Um, I would be remiss to not express tremendous frustration with the impediment to our efforts by this Office of the City Attorney uh, that I believe is unreasonably adding restrictions to the power of the Board of Supervisors and not just giving us a warning or caution about potential challenges or issues, nor suggesting ways that we can accomplish our goal in getting these funds to work uh, through amended language or a revised motion, but instead uh, advising clearly that even if this body, if this committee and the Board of Supervisors were to pass a motion directing the clerk to issue the subject RFP, that the city attorney would refuse to sign any resulting contract as to form, thereby making moot any such efforts by this body to accomplish that goal. This is, in my opinion, a, a remarkably inappropriate action by the city attorney who is supposed to represent this board, and it comes on the heels of years of our city government insulting, delaying, and disrespecting the residents of Midtown. And, and I want to just, before I wrap up, I want to put this in a broader historical context. Um, and, and I invite you colleagues and anyone listening to this hearing to walk the basement of this building where the photographs of David Johnson are currently on display. And they show a once vibrant African-American community across San Francisco, especially in the so-called Harlem of the West in my district. And the photos are here at City Hall at one Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett place, whose namesake, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett, was once a proud resident of Midtown Park Apartments. The community, the spirit, and the lives depicted in Mr. Johnson's photos that are on display in this building have a haunting beauty because we know that the actions of this city 
through redevelopment irreversibly took much of it away. Again and again, the city has failed its black community. Midtown was an attempt to redress, at least to some small extent, these failures. Its first residents were promised a dream of ownership that was at first deferred and has since been denied. By standing in the way, the city attorney adds another chapter to the injustices faced by Midtown residents and the city's black community. We will not be deterred, and more importantly, neither will be the residents of Midtown. And so with that, I want to thank you again, Chair Peskin and committee members. Also want to thank my Chief of Staff, Kyle Smealy, for his work on this and all of his work on Midtown. Uh, and I look forward to discussion of the item and, as previously noted, would request the committee continue the item uh, to the call of the chair. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Supervisor Preston. Um, and separate and apart from the history of Midtown and your and previous attempts, and I was here in 2007 to address that, um, I am troubled by the constitutional, if you will, charter matter. And it's interesting to me in a number of ways relative to the 1996 charter approved by the voters in 1995, which differed substantially from the 1932 charter as to interference by the legislative branch in matters of the executive. And uh, the 32 charter, to my mind, uh, was much more clear about that separation than the 1996 charter. Um, in when I came along in 2001, I was advised that by ordinance, um, and I realize this is a motion, but we can get into the details of that, that the Board of Supervisors had actually great latitude by ordinance in uh, asserting its will as a matter of law in the workings of the executive branch. I also note that in the couple of decades that I've been in and out of this building as a supervisor, the, the city attorney, and this is a broad statement, so don't mistake it, uh, and it may not be true in all regards, has generally found that things that are not specifically addressed or precluded by the charter are not inconsistent with the charter. As a matter of fact, Arguably, we just saw that in the resignation letter uh, matter, wherein the city attorney did not say it was violative of the charter because it was not specifically spelled out in the charter. Uh, although I think the sentiment of the city attorney's letter and certainly the sentiment of the supervisor was that it was inconsistent with the spirit of the charter. Here, I think you could apply the same logic, which is this is not precluded by the charter. Um, we go out for a RFP. As a matter of fact, uh, Ms. Calvillo in 2009 uh, asked me as a former supervisor to sit on the selection panel for a new budget and legislative analyst contract, and uh, I 
did so. Uh, and I don't see how creating a working group is inconsistent with the roles assigned to the legislative branch under the 1996 charter. Um, I realize that this is a complicated matter, and by the way, I in no way uh, assign to the city attorney's office any political motivation. I don't think, I, I think this is about a reading of the charter and its application thereof, so I don't think that there's any behind the scenes political shenanigans going on. I don't uh, think that of uh, the professional staff of the city attorney's office uh, to whom I would imagine that the elected city attorney would defer to. Uh, so, but I, I'd also actually, given that she has been around as a board aide and then now for many, many years uh, as the clerk of the board would be interested in hearing uh, our clerk's take on this. Um, I mean, after all, this is a legislative branch. It is also a department. Uh, it is a sitting city department. As a matter of fact, it is department number one. Um, so, Ms. Calvillo, I don't know if you have any uh, non-city attorney words of wisdom to add to this. Members of the committee, uh, Chair Paskin, Angela Calvillo, the, I think for the clerks, the, the um, perspective I'd like to take is uh, to leave my personal opinion out of this conversation and just indicate to the committee and ultimately to the Board of Supervisors that just pursuant, and I'll ask SFGovTV just to look at the projection, pursuant to section 2.117, the highlighted section, the clerk shall have other duties and responsibilities as the Board of Supervisors may prescribe. So, of course, at the committee's will and ultimately of the boards, should you ask that uh, any duty be performed, including an RFP for a competitive process, we would be happy to perform that role for you. Um, and of course, we would work with, uh, as always, our general counsel and Pearson deputy city attorney on any of those matters uh, in the event that this board and the city asked us to move forward with that. Supervisor Chan. Thank you, and I think that is a question. Uh, thank you, Chair Preskin, and thank you, Supervisor Preston, uh, for bringing this to us. I, this question is probably for Madam Clerk as well, is that we actually have done something very similar, I think, at LAFCO, at the Local Formation Agency Commission, which there is a process for request for a proposal uh, for the public or reinvestments uh, group for the public bank. We issue the proposal and, and actually be able to hire consultants. But, but essentially, um, I guess my question is, we, we have done this. I think similarly, we have done it, in fact, not directly with this body, but a body, this, that, a body that actually is independent from us, but overseen by the board supervisors. Member Chan, uh, Angela Calvillo, clerk of the board, it is true that when there are areas of interest to the board that departments uh, have not shown initiative on or just did not choose to move it as a priority. Uh, this board did 
uh, initiate a LAFCO. There were uh, subject matter items that were moved into that LAFCO. There was funding that was appropriated or garnered for some of the duties into LAFCO. Um, and so it has been done. Perhaps the city attorney's office can indicate um, uh, issues that would distinguish those matters away from this particular matter, but you are correct. The department has done it. And, and, I, and this is just for us colleagues to think about. I mean, LAFCO does have the, while it is very unique and different from all the other counties because of who we are as both city and county of San Francisco, um, the, the body as local formation agency commission is independent and that uh, it does actually have the authority for municipal, municipal service review. That is really essentially that body uh, can actually, what it actually does is to review municipal services and that in my opinion falls under municipal services. But. I will leave that to this for, for Supervisor Preston to pursue and for city attorney to determine. Thank you. Supervisor Preston. Thank you, Chair Peskin, and, th and thank you, um, Supervisor Chan. And it, it may well be that we should um, explore that, you know, with this. Um, and, and certainly LAFCO has been a, a, a great uh, resource, as you say, with with uh, some some items are as as uh, Madam Clerk referenced, where departments may not have been prioritizing them. Um, so I look forward to to uh, conferring with you about about that and whether that might be a good fit. I, I did just want to briefly touch on, just point out two things on this on this issue of um, the 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 balance of power and the interpretation here. Um, First of all, just to point out, uh, following up on Chair Peskin's comments, I mean, the charter explicitly has in section 1101 that all rights and powers of the city and county that are not vested in another officer or entity by this charter shall be exercised by the Board of Supervisors. So there's a catch-all uh, that actually empowers the Board of Supervisors quite broadly. Um, I would also point out, and this is, I think, really a central issue um, and where I, I, I disagree with the analysis by the city attorney's office is that the city's charter does not have an exclusivity clause. So if, if you look at the United States Constitution and the state constitution, they actually preclude a branch from exercising a power that another branch has. That is not the case in our city charter. So the idea that just because, you know, buses and trains are under the MTA, that that means that this board, let's say, couldn't hold a community meeting or contract for an event space to hold a meeting about buses and trains in our district, right? Like that, that's a, that, that is not an interpretation that I think is consistent with the charter. And so what this what the analysis here from the city or the conclusion reached here by the city attorney's office is basically reading into our charter an exclusivity clause that does not exist in our charter but does exist in the state and the federal charter and then importing in all the cases and everything that interpret state and federal law 
that, that have a different mandate from ours. So I just want to be clear about that because and part of why we really want to elevate this here in this committee is, is I think it sets a very bad precedent. Um, and I think we need some clarity as to this, what appears to be the interpretation that just because a department could do something, that that precludes the Board of Supervisors from acting on that thing except to pass uh, uh, legislation on the topic. I will leave it at that. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Madam Deputy City Attorney, any light you want to shed on this from the City Attorney's office perspective? Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, I'm happy to answer questions. I think Supervisor Preston has summarized our advice. This is a motion before you that would direct the clerk to engage in a procurement to employ the services of a facilitator who would facilitate a non-city group to organize. Um, and we have indeed advised that should the board pass this motion and should the clerk engage in the procurement, we would not approve us to form the contract. And we've given that advice because it is our opinion that such a contract would reflect um, executive functions and not legislative functions. Um, the board has within its power many, many powers, um, but they are only to act by ordinance, resolution, and motion. And the board may not, under Charter Section 2.114, get involved in administrative affairs. The board could set policy in this area. The board could adopt ordinances requiring MOCD to do this, to appropriate funds for this, to create a group. But the board may not choose, for whatever reason, to do the work that it would prefer that a department does. Um, so we have advised here that we would not approve this contract as to form if it were negotiated. But isn't this the power of inquiry? Isn't the formation of this working group? 2.114 uh, accepts for the purpose of the power of inquiry. And isn't this really pursuant to that power of inquiry? I, I don't think so. I think pursuant to the power of inquiry, the board holds hearings. And the board, by ordinance, creates working groups that advise the board. Um, but I don't think the board negotiates contracts to fund services as part of its power of inquiry. Not necessarily. I would argue that the budget and legislative analysts, uh, or for instance, if this board of supervisors pursuant to an issue needed to obtain at cost expert advice, that would require hiring somebody. So if I was wrestling with refuse policy and needed to uh, go out and hire a national expert on refuse policy in order to inform this board as to what policy steps it would take, that's the power of inquiry. And well, and that's the, the role that the BLA plays under the charter. Right, but the BLA might need to subcontract to obtain this? Why couldn't this contract go through the BLA in order to formulate a outside group to help inform the policy recommendations of this Board of Supervisors? If, you know, we'd be happy to look at that as an option. I, I understood this RFP to be looking to organize a community group, um, which is, I think, a little different from informing the Board of Supervisors. 
Um, and it would require, you know, with all due respect to the clerk's office, who has enormous expertise in the support of a policy body and in legislative process, um, I think her office would need some assistance in coming up with a scope of work for this type of project. And um, the board may not fulfill that role. That is an executive function. I think I've given Supervisor Preston some things to think about. Yes. Thank, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair, and, and we'll, we'll follow up with the, with the city attorney on that particular, and the clerk and BLA on that particular um, suggestion. And, and, I, and I did just want to, you know, add, add one other thing here that is part of, the, part of the frustration is that, you know, there's no question that this board, right, could pass an ordinance setting up, setting up a working group. We do that all the time. Right? So we have the power to set up a working group. Do you know why you're not seeing an ordinance to set up a working group here, colleagues? The simple fact that contrary to everything that the city has done with respect to Midtown for decades, we want and the residents want a majority of any decision-making body or anyone making recommendations to be residents of Midtown which of course Creates met conflict. with conflicts issues and advice from the city attorney and I think correctly so, raising a flag that if the majority of this body are people who are ultimately have a stake in an outcome that legally you cannot just set up a working group. But the idea that we don't have, so we have jurisdiction to create a formal working group, but we don't have jurisdiction to bring on someone with, to retain an expert who can meet informally with all the residents gauge what they want and report back to the board so we can legislate accordingly. I, th I really think it is a very problematic analysis, but I, I appreciate the suggestion and the uh, creative approaches to, to trying to figure out uh, how to do this uh, and, and look forward to consulting with the city attorney on, on that suggestion. Thank you, Supervisor. Are there any members of the public who would like to testify on this item number four? <clears throat> Excuse me. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2492-770-5750. Then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comment. There's nobody in the room for public comment at this time. We have two callers on the line. First speaker, please. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can, please proceed. Great, David Philpel again. So very interesting uh, issue. I appreciate the history and Frustration here certainly uh, could be a powers and duties uh, issue, but um, reasonable minds can disagree. Uh, I, I think this is a great example of where Buck Delventhal would have had an elegant uh, solution, and I guess I'm a bit surprised that the uh, current city attorney team hasn't come up with uh, something to, to solve this. It seems to me like it is more like uh, creating an advisory committee or requesting a BLA report. It is just exploring options um, regardless of the composition of the group, which could be a majority of uh, residents or not. It's, it's just exploring options and, and ways to, to get to a different place 
from uh, where you are now. It is not directing an executive branch uh, department here. Um, I seem to recall that Rufus Watkins was involved in this effort years ago. I hope that he is still involved. Um, and I checked on the website, and there are certainly uh, a long, long list of uh, advisory bodies that this board has created on topics that um, arguably um, fall under uh, executive branch uh, departments, but because they simply provide advice to, that, to those departments or to this board on those topics and don't exercise any powers of the city, um, I think they're fine. And I, I think that this uh, logic em employed here kind of puts into the question the, the way business is done in the city and um, unnecessarily so. So I support the continuance and continuing to explore the issue, but I'm sure there is a, a solution to this um, that would allow exploration of other options with regard to Midtown um, apartments. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Can we have our next caller, please? Hello, uh, Supervisors, Tess Wellborn. Um, I'm very pleased with this discussion that uh, Supervisor Preston has brought up and the thoughtful comments that all of you other people on the committee, Supervisor Peskin and Supervisor Chen, have made, and also the clerk. Thank you, Ms. Cavillo. Um, I think that these, these are very important issues that need to be explored. The board has passed a number of, of uh, pieces of legislation that the executive branch has chosen not to implement. And we're touch, so we're touching on a larger issue here too. Um, and I appreciate your thoughtfulness and I would like to say that I support Midtown uh, getting a chance to have some kind of ownership, even uh, land trust style ownership where the land remains in the city's hands. So bigger issues and, and then the, the one that initiating there. Thank you very much for uh, considering this and for continuing it. Are there any other members of the public for this item? Uh, there are no additional callers for this matter. All right, public comment is closed. Supervisor Preston, I'm happy to continue working with you on this, and maybe there are some nuanced changes that could be made empowering the budget analysts and doing it under the 2.114 clear exception for the power of inquiry, but we can take that offline. And with that, I will make a motion to continue this item to the call of the chair on that motion. A roll call, please. Yes, on that motion, Supervisor Chan. Chan, I. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, I. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, I. The motion passes without objection. Next item, please. Yes, item number five is a motion approving or rejecting the mayor's nomination for the appointment of Gloria Lai to the Municipal Transportation Agency Board of Directors, term ending March 1st, 2025. Colleagues, the mayor nominated this individual on or about September 16th. Uh, the individual who has been nominated is out of the country until I believe the, she's on the line with us. Oh, great. Excellent. Love it. Uh, beautiful. Um, let me, before we do that, um, ask 
a couple of questions of the city attorney um, or maybe of the clerk to this committee. Um, question number one is the charter uh, lays out some specifications, but not by seat. So it says that at least two of the seven directors must possess significant knowledge or professional experience in the field of public transportation. It further sets out that four must be regular muni riders. To which seats are these ascribed? or to which individuals are these ascribed? There's nothing in the file that says these are the four regular muni writers, these are the two people with professional experience. Uh, clearly, Steve Heminger has professional experience. This one can figure out by looking at the list. Um, I don't know who the other one in that category is. Do we know? Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, this is certainly a search situation where having seat numbers would help. Um, I think that in a case like this, the clerk keeps track of which individuals who've been appointed have the required specifications so that we should know whether we need another transit rider. Um, but I would defer to the clerk on the, the current list. Um, I am not, this is Victor Young, I'm not aware of that information at this time. I can check with the administrator of the board of directors. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's Ms. Kahina. I don't think it's Mr. Yukudiel. I, I mean, maybe Ms. Borden, by virtue of the fact that she's been on the commission for a long time, but she comes from the restaurant industry, Ms. Hine. I would, I would love to know who the other person with professional experience is. And then in the same breath, do you know who the four regular muni riders are? Has the board made that finding in the past? There's nothing in the mayor's letter that says, and this satisfies that requirement under 8A102 of the charter. Uh, again, I would need to check with their administrator to ask them to report back to us on that matter. Okay, and then Madam Deputy City Attorney, it is my belief in reading 8A.102 that this Board of Supervisors has no uh, time by which we must act. That is correct. All right, uh, Ms. Lee, the floor is yours. Thanks for joining us from wherever you are. Hi, supervisors. Uh, great to have all of you here. Good morning. Um, I'm sorry I can't join you in person. I'm in Hong Kong right now, so um, it, it's great to see you virtually. I'm Gloria Lee. Uh, I live in the East Cut in the Transbay area of San Francisco and in very close proximity of the Transit Center. And I've been serving on the TJPACAC for six years, for three terms, as the District 6 representative during my term on the CAC, um, I helped the TJPA navigate the problem of the steel beam issue, um, creating neighborhood friendly activities and also advocated strongly for the DTX, um, as well as pushing for wayfinding in multiple languages, especially Chinese, which is my native tongue. Um, I was also on the Transpace CAC, which also uh, oversees the development of the former temporary terminal. Uh, during COVID, um, I co-founded a neighborhood group 
and found when we found out that um, the city had plans to turn the temporary terminal lot into a tent site, we pushed and advocate to have that space turn into an outdoor community space instead of having it be a tent site, um, especially because of its close proximity to five child care centers and tens of thousands of residents in its immediate proximity. We worked with Supervisor Haney, um, Eastcott CBD, and the TJPA to make this a reality. Um, and now the space is called The Crossing, which is enjoyed by thousands of residents in the area. Um, and it's a very needed space, which um, our residents don't have since it's outdoors. And most of our housing is high density and affordable housing. Previously, I worked for the former Board of Equalization member, Fiona Ma. I started in her office as a district liaison with the Chinese community in the Bay Area, as I am fluent in Cantonese and Mandarin. Um, I'm a first-generation immigrant and college graduate with parents that have limited English um, proficiency, so I have a strong passion for serving our immigrant community and ensuring that they have equal access to local, state, and federal resources and language access. I translated small business and tax assistant resources into Chinese and Cantonese um, and organized small business webinars for these small business owners in order for them to access these resources during my time in the BOE. My goal for serving on the MTA board is to focus on the overall safety of the transit system, including pedestrian safety, increasing language access and in-language communications to our Chinese-speaking stakeholders, especially moving forward and ensuring that the needs of many of our silent users, such as parents like myself, non-English speakers, and also women are feeling represented through my appointment. If appointed, I will, as I did in my public service and volunteer service roles, put the community above personal and political needs. Thank you for your time and consideration. I welcome any questions. Thank you, Ms. Lees. Uh, relative to your use and frequency thereof of Muni, which I referred to in my opening comments. Could you speak to that, please? Um, I Before COVID and while I worked in the state building, I was a rider um, of the Muni to and from work um, on the workday basis. Um, I encountered a few, um, I guess it was a little bit of an attack on the BART platform as well as the Muni platform. And during COVID, I refrained from using public transit since I have a young child at home who wasn't vaccinated. So I'm, I'm not sure the definition of frequent, but I have used many of the, our public transit system in the city. Any questions from committee members? Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Peskin. Uh, I, um, uh, am, I had the opportunity to speak with Ms. Gloria Lee and it was a very uh, informative and pleasant conversation. I am so grateful that, you know, of her interests of serving the city, it is a, definitely a very critical role. And I think that she has been definitely trying in both her public service work and, and personal life um, to really um, being involved in the city's uh, transit uh, issues and policy work. Um, that being said, I want to say that um, I think there are others that I can easily name off right at this moment that too not only have done the work, but really done the work for much longer 
uh, in uh, in this case, I want to say, you know, just looking at the makeup of the SFMTA board directors, filling the role of former uh, director Sharon Lai, you know, looking to see an AAPI or Chinese American or Chinese speaking specifically, you know, representation on the San Francisco MTA board directors. Um, and looking at, you know, even more specifically, if, you, you know, we're seeking representation for not just for Chinese speaking or AAPI representation, but also uh, a, a woman of color that I, I think that I can easily think of many others that, um, if not more passionate, uh, have even more experience uh, in, in this case, and, and I'm going to throw those names out there without, without their permission, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and that's including the, uh, in fact, the District 3 Youth Commissioner uh, Rosa Chen, uh, but no longer Youth Commissioner because she's actually older now, and uh, have really done the Chinatown advocacy work, and came before her was actually Quina Chan, uh, also, Chinatown trip and, and really doing a lot of advocacy work uh, for uh, residents in San Francisco, both not just in Chinatown, but understand that the connection and the connectivity, a critical connectivity between uh, Chinatown and, and Viz Valley and Bayview, and truly those have been actually also identified as a muni uh, equity strategy zone that are actually lack of equity in public transportation. And last but not least, I want to actually also throw out there Jen Chen, who actually now is uh, working on that particular issue, especially during pandemic, who has done um, a critical work around survey, translating survey, working with residents, um, Chinese-speaking residents, making sure that they understand the transit survey that is so critical for uh, making sure that we um, have our muni services really uh, recover and um, bring back the ser critical services, in the, especially in initial days when we 70% um, of the public transit uh, services were down. Now, while they all, with the last name of Chan, they are not related to each other, nor me. <laughs> for this, <laughs> it just happens that they all have, we all share the same last name. Different spellings for some of us, actually, in fact. Um, so. All which is to say, while I really appreciate Ms. Gloria Lee's um, application and, and, uh, and thank the mayor for being considerate uh, about uh, appointing uh, another woman of color, in this case definitely a Chinese-speaking woman, to, to really be uh, serving on the SFMTA board directors, I think that looking beyond that uh, to look really to for those who have done the work in the community and really critically understanding the issue uh, and actually having a, really a relationship, ongoing relationship uh, with the communities, um, not just in Chinatown, but really all across the city. I, I can easily think of those candidates that are more than qualified as well. So with that, uh, I regrettably will not be supporting uh, Ms. Gloria Lee's appointment uh, today. Thank you, Chair Preskin. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. And um, I'm not prepared to vote on this just by virtue of the fact that I believe what Ms. Lee just said was that she does not consider herself to fit the uh, requirement, which may or may not apply to her, <laughs> um, of being a frequent uh, regular muni rider, uh, nor does she claim that she fits the 
professional experience. Uh, so I, I would like to have answers to those threshold 8A102 charter questions that are really up to this board to just determine whether or not we have the right complement as set forth in the charter. Um, so I would, after public comment, like to continue this matter to the call of the chair, having established that there is no time frame within which we must act. Uh, and I understand that Ms. Lee will be returning to the United States of America in about a month, so maybe we can interview her in person or maybe the mayor will reconsider as suggested by Supervisor Chan and I concur uh, with the thrust of the comments that Supervisor Chan articulated. With that, why don't we open item number five up to public comment. <coughs> yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up to speak at this time. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2492-770-5750, then press pound and pound again. Once connected, you will need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue the way until the system indicates you've been unmuted and that will be your cue to begin your comment. Uh, there are no parties in the room for public comment, and we have one person on the phone line for public comment. First speaker, please. Good morning, uh, Supervisors, Rules Committee. My name is Paulina Thayer. You know, um, I'm listening to this, and honestly, I'm surprised and quite, um, I'm floored, to be honest with you. I know Gloria Lee has extensive policy and community experience, including relevant experience. She is highly passionate and collaborative. She's AAPI, so I'm confused by Supervisor Chan's initial AAPI representation comments. I'd like to opine also that referencing older people with a bit more experience perhaps appears ages, quite frankly. The lack of clarity regarding which qualifications the seat needs, especially given that this has been ongoing since September, is very disorganized. Um, I'm not sure what that's about. Should that have not already been clarified by the board of, by the by the supervisors on this committee? Uh, it just seems like a bit of a weird process here. But at any rate, um, I do appreciate that you would like to interview Ms. Lee in person when she comes back from the country. And I do hope that at that time you consider how qualified she is and allow her appointment to proceed for the seat. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are there any other speakers? Um, yes. Can we have our next caller, please? Can you hear me now? Yes, you can. Please proceed. Great. Uh, David Pilpel again. So I don't know the nominee. Uh, she appears to have limited experience with transportation planning and, uh, as was indicated, is only a part-time San Francisco resident. Um, I would urge you to uh, reject her either today or in the future and seek a qualified nominee instead. We definitely and desperately need independent and knowledgeable MTA board members. Uh, I think uh, member uh, Chan's uh, uh, suggestion of Queen Chen would be fantastic. Queen Chen would be an amazing and wonderful member of the MTA board. 
Um, and then just finally on the, and there are other uh, qualified uh, individuals, AAPI and uh, otherwise, residents of Chinatown and elsewhere, but uh, certainly plenty of uh, qualified individuals. Uh, and finally on the legislation itself on line six, it's article 8A, there's no period um, in there, and on line 18, it should say serve and not serves. And at some point, you'll deal with line 20 to either approve or reject. Um, those are my thoughts. Thank you very much for listening. Are there any remaining commenters on this item? Uh, we do not have any additional callers at this time. Public comment is closed. Supervisor Mandelman. Thank you, Chair Peskin. Um, I know uh, Ms. Lee a very little bit, um, have not had the opportunity to talk to her um, prior to today and do not feel uh, capable or qualified to um, weigh in on this uh, nomination at this time. So I would appreciate a little more time. So it shall be. I will make a motion to continue this item to the call of the chair. And I do note that insofar as uh, oftentimes nominees reach out even before they have been nominated that it has been a month and a half since the nomination and it's telling that the nominee has not reached out to Supervisor Mandelman. I will make a motion to continue this item to the call of the chair. On that motion, a roll call, please. Yes, I have a motion to continue the matter to the call of the chair. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Chair Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The motion passes without objection. We are adjourned. <laughs>